You are listening to KC Sports Network, proudly presented by Emprise Bank. All right, this is the one. I can feel it. Podcast, 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 podcast. The first and the best Chiefs podcast. Real ones know the show is called Amateur Hour. The Amateur Hour podcast is now airing on KC Sports Network. Ryan Scott Hall and his Dirkness are back again. We've got football, friendship, and fun. All these shows, we're still number one, season 12. Oh, wow, here it comes. Welcome, my friends, to Emma Amateur Hour Podcast. Podcast. Man, I can't hit that note right. Podcast! Is that right? Ah, well. Don't worry, nobody's listening anyway. What is this, Amateur Hour? Yeah, I ain't no Superman businessman like you. You know, I'm just a amateur. I suppose. Amateur hour is what's happening. <laughs> amateur hour is what's happening. Yeah, that's right, folks. The show is called Amateur Hour. I'm Brian Scott Hall, and joining me today, a man that is probably ready to kick off 2024 with a big bang. Is Dirkus. Sup, Lafay the podcast. We're gonna simplify the podcast this week. Oh, mm, okay. Okay. Simplify. Keep it keep it simple. Keep it supple. Simple and that that in reference to I imagine the Chiefs wanting to simplify their offense. The multiple reports from all angles, including mm-hmm. promo to lead off the broadcast. But yeah, they were definitely putting that message out there. Oh, I guess I wasn't paying close enough attention at the beginning of the broadcast. I didn't know Romo. I mean, if they if that's what they're, you know, telling Tom Pellicero yes. and whoever else it's just being parroted around. That makes sense. Okay. Well, I mean, Dirk, the Chiefs rebounded from their Christmas massacre with a big win on New Year's Eve. Um, did you come away from the game as optimistic as I did? Well, uh, I'm actually going to defer on this. I may have won the coin toss to lead off the show, but I'm going to defer to the second half of the podcast. Yep. I'm going to send this back your way because it was you leading this charge, discussing becoming a defensive team the last few weeks and what that might look like, even went as far as during the game this week to call your shot down 17-7 to that the defense wouldn't allow another point. I did fact check that, by the way, because I thought you might have said it at like 14 points and they got a field goal after that. But I got to say, I fact checked it and it passed the fact check. They did not allow another point. Good job by you. So I want to know if this game was what you had in mind by the Chiefs becoming a defensive team. Uh, I mean, yes and no. Is it the exact perfect defensive team blueprint? I would not say that. Um, But I do, I, I would tell you that this was the Chiefs' best game of the season. Um, And I've got a, I got a few bullet points here. I mean, to, to be clear... I want to try and keep this as conversational as possible because I don't have some super eloquent point to be able to give you. Uh, But I think this is the Chiefs' best game of the season for a few reasons. Number one, uh, they scored on their opening drive. It's uh, the, well, not only the third time they've scored on their opening drive, but their third opening drive touchdown of the season. And first one at home, correct? First at Arrowhead, yes. The other two were in Minnesota and in Germany against the Dolphins. 
so something somewhat rare. I mean, they've had a few field goals uh, to, to lead off games, but scoring a touchdown to start the game so that you are not in a hole is something that you have to do if you're going to be a defensive team. Uh, I, I think that you gotta like be able to kind of play in the lead in order to really play complimentary football. So I would say the opening drive touchdown really helps kind of set the tone for what I consider the best game of the season. Um, here's some other things to keep in mind in terms of what is going into at least my thinking on this, the chief's best game of the season. Uh, they only had three penalties the entire game. Um, one of them was on Legarius Sneed for, you know, his customary, I am going to mess with whatever receiver I'm playing against penalty, and we all take that, and it doesn't really go. It's fine. Oh, yeah. I don't even remember it. I don't remember it. That's how good it was. Right? Uh, there was a false start that was called on Creed. I think it was more like kind of everybody, and they called it on the center. I don't fully remember how it worked out, but it was in the third quarter, I believe. Um, and then the one big one, the, uh, downfield throw to T Higgins in which Joshua Williams was trying to hold his hand. And by hold his hand, I mean, hold his entire arm. Just hang <laughs> on. I'm, I'm hanging on for dear life. I'm not doing anything. I, I can I just say right off the bat, I don't get why Joshua Williams plays. I don't know if Jalen Watson went down in this game, but Jalen Watson has been playing really good football. So if they're subbing him out for uh, Joshua Williams, I'm just, I'm not in favor of that. Just right off the bat, quick point. Well, and I do think, I mean, I'm not, typically when I'm looking at the snap counts, uh, looking at the corners isn't something that I tend to to do that closely because I would imagine that Snead and McDuffie are playing close to 100% of the snaps. And so... You know, don't get me wrong. We have a third and sometimes fourth corner on the field, somewhat off. But it, but it wasn't four corner. Like the last drive was like all Joshua Williams, so it wasn't like four corners. Like you, like I might have been thinking, Watson might have got banged up. I still have no idea what what happened. But it was interesting to see him uh, out there. I said, but please continue. Uh, so they only had the three penalties, um, and and two of them were totally inconsequential. Um, they fought back after being down ten points. I mean, don't get me wrong. Like you go up seven. Uh, scoring on the opening drive is a good thing. Um, but the the getting down 10, we'll talk about the defense here a little bit. They, they didn't seem to panic when they got down. Like, it, it really felt like panic set in against the Raiders. Granted, that was different circumstances where it's two gigantic plays kind of right in a row, so it kind of sent them into a panic, I think. But they kept their composure in this one. It's just like, okay, we've been down 10 plenty of times. Uh, we can we can fight back in this one and 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 figure it out. Like we don't have to we don't have to have this entire comeback like in one play. Like is what kind of felt like they were doing at times in the Raiders game. So the fighting back after being down ten points, um, you hit it on the head for me. They never really seemed panicked. Uh, they just kind of chipped away at the lead throughout the game. In fact, they scored on seven of their nine drives in this game. Uh, if you don't count the tenth drive as the victory formation, um, the the two drives that don't end in a score were uh, the strip sack uh, from Trey Hendrickson in the first half and one measly punt from Tommy Townsend. Um. After they go down 10, 
the big thing that jumps out to me is that they only end up having four negative plays the rest of the game. Um, we we have to play clean if we're going to be a defensive team. Um, there's a pass for minus two yards. There's the false start. There's a pass for negative two yards and then a pass for negative one yard. And if you want to call it six, including those two MBS drops, both of them happened after we went down 17-7. So technically six negative plays. Um, <laughs> Just negative because they sucked? <laughs> <laughs> the, the drops I count as negative plays because yes, they suck. All right, they were that. bad plays, right? I can see that. Um, but you know, they're not like you're not seeing Mahomes getting sacked in there. Um, you know, you're not seeing some of the end around stuff that has caused us to sometimes lose five, six, seven yards. You did a deep dive on losing the most yards on a play that wasn't a sack. I completed mean, a completed reception in all time, in all time. Um they really they finished the game too like the chiefs uh as i broke down a few weeks ago um i did a little update just to kind of check in see how the numbers have moved and they haven't really uh the chiefs are still last in the league in fourth quarter scoring averaging just over a field goal uh for the season in the fourth quarter so they doubled up their season average they scored six points in this fourth quarter it's um, like a theme, but kicking field goals. I mean, field so goals. That's, uh, but the Chiefs are 28th in second half scoring, only averaging about eight points per second half. Um, and they put up 15. I mean, they they doubled their second half and fourth quarter averages on the season in route to winning this game. Um I mean, I I thought it was their best game of the season, largely because it felt like they came into the game, and and maybe not the entire game. Maybe they came into the second half with a very distinct plan. It might be an easier argument for me to make. But I feel like they came into the game with a plan, and then they executed that plan. And so many of these games, it's like, Man, if they turn the ball over, then they just can't come back from it. Oh, well, man, if they have a penalty, they just can't come back from it. Oh, if they have a drop, they just can't overcome it. And MBS had two drops. One of them was on a third down that probably would have turned into a touchdown. I say probably, possibly turned into a touchdown if you look at the dots. I mean, he probably, he probably scored. I mean, it's, it's not Mahomes' best pass. It's not on Mahomes' <laughs> I don't know what to say at all. It's 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 not Mahomes's uh, error in the end. Um, if it is out in front of him, he probably you know takes it and might might house it. Um, but he's you know he's getting hit as he's throwing it, so the throw is a little off. Still easily catchable and and easily picks up the first down if he catches that. And let me just say, that was the most mad I got. I've I've been the entire season and in, in a season full of dumb mistakes, all kinds of problems. The most mad I was was. MVS dropping that ball and then having the gall, the audacity to look back and shoot Mahomes that look and motion where the ball is and where he kind of wanted it. It was just like, dude, we have covered your ass so many times at all turns because that's what the Chiefs franchise does. And for good reason. And it bugs the hell out of fans. And for him to like do that, I I know it's kind of heat in the moment, but man, to to, to give that back to them in that moment when he's the one that's just like, dude, you have to make a play at some point. You're getting chance after chance after chance 
they're putting faith in you and you're not coming through again and again. And then on top of that, you put the blame on someone else. It was, I, I, I was irate, irate. What happens if you just cut MVS right now? Like, I have never wanted someone to pull Avante Davis so badly in my entire life, except for MBS on my football team right now. And honestly, Kadarius Tony's kind of a close second. Like, if those guys just quit at halftime of of the game, because, I mean, let's be honest, they probably won't put Tony out there in Week 18 because he hasn't played the last two. And every time he plays, you know, more than 15 snaps, he needs a two- or three-week break. Uh, but MBS... MBS should just be out there for every snap. He's playing every snap in games that matter, but not doing anything. So have him as punishment run cardio this next week against the Chargers. And ultimately, a spite play. I hope he quits. I hope he just quits (laughs) at halftime and says, this is bullshit. I don't want to be here anymore. Like, it's like when you're in a bad relationship, right? Like you don't want to do the breaking up with them, but you do all the work to get them to break up with you. That's what the chiefs I think are trying to do with MBS right now. And hopefully that's the plan in week 18. Just, just keep putting him out there. Hey, you know, I mean, look, I just, we just, we want to showcase you, man. We want to give you the opportunity. And uh, ultimately he just walks away. That'd be good. I love it. I love it. Do it. Uh, everyone, everyone else is sitting except MVS. You can get out there, son. Cover, you can make him cover kickoffs. Yeah, that would actually be uh, if you really want to punish him. Uh, you know, make him play both ways. Hey, you're going to play defensive tackle this week. Um, all right, it turned everybody into a good cornerback. So it wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me one bit if he starts playing cornerback and all of a sudden he's really good. I'm like, holy shit, they found another one. Well, you know, most corners can't catch, uh, so that's maybe right where he belongs. He's in the right room. Uh, we belong on a break. That's a terrible transition, but that's that's where we belong. We got to take a break. Nailed it. We'll, we'll be right back. Nailed it. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Make sure you download our new app. Find it on the App Store or Google Play. Just search KC Sports Network. Dirk, uh, I've, I've been wondering, do, do you love sports? Hell yeah. You love some sports. Hell yeah. Well, listen. Uh, for those that are like Dirk and love sports, you can actually share your love of sports by coaching young people right here in Kansas City. Our partners this year, the Boys and Girls Clubs of Greater Kansas City, they need your help today. Beyond their after-school programming, they actually offer leagues for baseball and softball and basketball and flag football and many more sports. All you got to do is visit helpkckids.org and click on volunteer for more information. So if you find yourself coaching from the couch during games, maybe you should consider coaching from the sidelines as a volunteer with the Boys and Girls Clubs of Greater Kansas City. Learn more at helpkckids.org. Your company can hit it out of the park with a sports league sponsorship with Boys and Girls Clubs of Greater Kansas City, reach thousands of local families while giving the kids the opportunity to get in the game. Contact giving at helpkckids.org. Dot org for more information on becoming a sponsor for leagues and teams. Uh, Dirk, I think it's important that I be self-aware and understand that people are going to have some complaints and say, there's no way that a 25 to 17 win 
over the Jake Browning-led Bengals at Arrowhead in December is their best game of the season. Um, and I figure that the people that probably disagree with the fact that I think it was their best game of the season would probably start with, what, 3 of 12 on third down? Might be one of the big things that they want to talk about. Um, let's look at the third downs in this game. Good. Well, I was, I was gonna su- I was gonna support your claim at first. Do you are you poking holes in it? Where are we going here? Oh well, I would no. I'm just saying. Like I think that people are going to complain about the Chiefs going three of twelve on third down, and I've got some reasons why I think they did. And okay. I don't think they're particularly bad. All right. In the first half on third down, the first time that they fail on a third down in the first half was the sack fumble uh, because they had the opening drive touchdown. Second time they get the ball, sack fumble on third down. The next time they have a third down in the first half, I think it was a bad pass. I might be uh, like smashing some things up. You know, the memory can get a little blurry sometimes with as many Chiefs games as we've watched. Uh, But I know it was an incomplete pass to Travis Kelsey and I'm certain he was running toward the sticks at the sideline. And I don't know if he didn't catch it. I don't know I if think Mahomes... that was one. Yeah, that like it wasn't quite out in front of him. Yeah. Either way, let's say bad pass to Travis. And then the last third down in the first half that they did not complete was the drop by MVS on third and three that we just talked about before the break. In the second half, here are the third downs that the Chiefs missed. The first one, what I see in the play-by-play is deep pass intended for Justin Watson incomplete with Cam Taylor-Britton coverage, one of the best young corners in the NFL. Um, I don't remember this play. It's it's a route they run a lot. They used to do it with Tyreek a lot, but it's just kind of the, he's inside the slot and he's running like kind of like the deep crosser over. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's pretty open. I saw a lot of people kind of saying it was a drop. I wouldn't classify it as a drop person. I think Mahomes shoots it a little high on that. I would kind of put that one on Mahomes personally. But he did he, um, he did have a step, and okay. it kind of just like went, it was too high for him and kind of went off the top of his hands. That's right. Uh, we were thinking the elevator needs to go yeah. up that high, and he didn't quite reach the top floor. Yeah. Okay. So he missed Watson. That was on the three and out right out of halftime. Uh, I don't know how deep the throw is, uh, but he misses Justin Watson down like the 20, 20 yards, 15, 20 yards. Okay. So after that, it's check downs on third and eight, and then third and three and third and five, basically just throwing the ball horizontally and hoping Pacheco makes a guy miss. Um, and then the last third down that they fail on, uh, Rasheed gets seven when they needed eight and were basically playing for a field goal. It's 22 to 17 at that point. Uh, it's the Chiefs' final drive of the day, except for victory formation. Um, and, and so I just, I don't, especially the third and eight check down, third and three, throw it to Pacheco, third and five, throw it to Pacheco. Pacheco, man, bunch of third down catches in this game. Led the Chiefs in receptions in this game, probably even in targets, I would get to. Um, what that shows me is that when they were maybe not we've got to play pretty close to the vest here. We're going to lean on this defense and we're going to just try to chip away at this lead. Um, they saw some bad results. Uh, you know, they they get the sack fumble. They've got this in, this essentially drop by Kelsey. 
Um, he said, and certainly a drop by MBS. And it's just like, man, when, when they're pressing, when Andy's like, all right, we got to really come up with something for third and three or down here in the red zone. It's like, they, that is when it seems like they are prone to mistakes. If they want to simplify the offense, then it's, you got to take what is being given to you. Well, yeah. And I think to go to your point, I mean, the I guess the check downs taking, you know, a third and eight and getting three yards on it and, and kicking three points. You know, that's not something we are accustomed to as Chiefs fans. But if you want to see this team, you know, lean on their defense and win ugly like this, that's what it's going to look like a lot of times because, you know, they're staying in it. They're hanging in there, hanging in the pocket. Mahomes running all around trying to make something happen on third and 11. And then you get like a strip sack come, coming from behind those kind of things. So if you're looking for them to be like the defensive team uh, that you've kind of labeled, you might see more plays like that, which can be frustrating. But in the long run, um, you know, since this team can't seem to get out of its own way, they're going to have to, you know, take them out of their way, uh, for lack of a better explanation, uh, and and kind of take some of those those plays that we are not used to as Chiefs fans in the Patrick Mahomes era. Yeah, I mean, look, I think that check down is almost like a like a naughty word uh, for certain Chiefs fans, especially those that really like the high flying Chiefs of 2018 and think that like that is what it means to be good. Um, I just want to caution everybody, and this is what I was talking about during the game, each time they're settling settling for field goals, every time it happens, I'm just like, bravo, guys. Like, just take what's there, kick the field goal. This is exactly how you do it. But ultimately, I think one of the issues that people are going to have is they're going to say, oh, well, when you play better teams in the playoffs or you're going to have to convert some of these and look like I, I, I guess I get it, but like the Chiefs have lost games to teams that only kicked field goals in the playoffs. Um, and I'm not trying to lean on that one instance as like the crutch for an argument here. I just, I did not walk away from that game thinking, oh my God, look at all these problems. I walked away from that game thinking this team finally played like they know who they are. They're not an explosive offense, even though they were a little bit explosive in this game. Um, you know, but but they're what they are truly is a sound defensive team. And if you play complimentary football, and this is where my tweet came from, like if the if the offense just plays clean, they can easily win almost any game to me. I, I do think go ahead, Dirk, before well, I jump to the next point here. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think that's just like the uh, finding their identity and, and kind of why all that came out this week, the simplifying and stuff. It's kind of like they tried to find their old offense for the first 15 weeks. They tried this thing and they tried this thing and they tried this thing and nothing seemed to work. And it just kind of led to more and more mistakes. OK, let's add some motion in here. Let's try some new bodies. And pretty much everything they did, you know, ended up kind of backfiring in the end and they just couldn't find the magic. And it's, and it's reached a point where they're like, OK, fuck all this. We're going to have to do what we can to win best in 2023. And it it might look more like this. Um, Some stats here that kind of go towards this being a, what I would call a secretly dominant win. Um, So I was looking at the stats yards per play. The Chiefs actually averaged over seven yards per play. Uh, The seven yard barrier per play is a big one. Uh, The Chiefs led the NFL last year at 6.3 yards per play. Uh, So average over seven yards of play is, is a very... Uh, good thing. They've done it, uh, let's see here, 24 times now in the Patrick Mahomes era. 
Uh, they're 20 and four in those games. Um, so that's basically like five or six times a year um, in that era. Uh, it's only the second time this year that they've hit that. Also the Chargers game. Um, so on the but then on the defensive end, and here's where complimentary football comes in. Over seven yards per play on offense, and they allowed under four yards per play on defense. So I was like, damn, that's a that's a big ass disparity there. Um, let's see how often this has happened. Um, that's only happened three times in the NFL this season amongst all NFL teams. Um, that happened when the Cowboys beat the Giants and when the Dolphins beat the Giants. Um, and then this game with the Chiefs was the third time this season. It's only happened twice for the Chiefs in the Patrick Mahomes era. And that was the other game was 2020 versus the Jets. Um, and that's when they were like a 2-14, and 14, absolutely nothing team. Um, and it's only happened 21 times in the entire NFL since 2016. So the last eight years, these barriers have been hit only 21 times across the entire league, over seven yards per play on offense and under four yards per play allowed on defense. Uh, those teams are 20-1 and one in those games. But it was just kind of interesting to see that, uh, the disparity there um, amongst you know, how effective the Chiefs were on a play-by-play -play basis. Like, it, it kind of, it didn't look the same as what we're used to because they ended up kicking a lot of field goals, but they basically had the two three-and-out drives, and every other drive, they were they were moving the ball. Uh, they averaged, I had here, 53.4 yards per drive outside of those two three-and-outs. So e each of the other drives, they're moving right down the field and not getting touchdowns like you want, but at least they're showing signs of being, you know, a, in a very effective offense. Uh, that they've shown, obviously, throughout the Patrick Mahomes era. So I thought that was very promising to see and kind of goes to show as to why maybe you felt like it was such a, you know, they looked good doing it. Like the scoreboard didn't quite reflect how much or how well the uh, Chiefs played in that game, I would say. Well, and one of the things that I think helps speak to that too is this idea that uh, the defense might be kind of trending in the wrong direction. Um, I, I have seen, uh, a few people kind of talking about, well, why are we letting teams get out to these leads? Um, and, and here, look, so the, the Bengals started touchdown, touchdown field goal on their first three drives. Um, and I'm like, okay, so is this a trend? Let's just, you know, use the bye week as a natural divider. Um, coming out of the bye week, the Eagles, uh, did not really get out with a lead. In fact, the Chiefs were up 17-7 at halftime of that game, which is just brutal thinking back to losing that one. Um, the Raiders, the first game, no, no, did not allow the Raiders to get out to a lead. Um, uh, or actually, sorry, Raiders' second time we played them, uh, the Raiders really only scored twice in the game, two field goals. Um, uh, the Patriots, no. No, they didn't get out to a lead either. The Chiefs were up at halftime in that one. Uh, but... Here's where I think there is some things for people to consider. Um, against the Bengals, the Bengals start field goal, touchdown, touchdown. Um, against the Bills, they punted on their opening possession, and then they went touchdown, touchdown. Uh, the Packers, touchdown, touchdown. The Raiders, touchdown, missed field goal, touchdown um, in that first game. And so they, they have allowed four of their seven opponents after the bye to score some points in the first half. But if you go back and look, I believe only two of those teams scored over 20. I mean, like it's they're they're allowing teams to score early, and this is in one way that they're not playing complimentary football. Um, and and I do, however, look at, you know, you talked about how 
the Chiefs had this kind of sneaky, dominant game against the Bengals. And I I do fear, just a tad, uh, particularly in the playoffs, that if the defense starts slow like that, um, that the, they, the team could find themselves in a hole. But I think the big thing for the Chiefs in this game, and this might be another reason why people say there's no way that that was the best game of the year, um, mostly adjusting for the level of competition, particularly when it comes to the Bengals' defense, but the Chiefs moved the ball. The reason that they were able to score on all of these drives is because they got into scoring position. And they've really struggled to do that lately, man. I mean, the Chiefs are uh, 12th in scoring offense this year, but when you look at like the, uh, the number of explosive plays... Uh, I saw that the Chiefs only have seven touchdowns of 10 or more yards this entire season. Their opponents have 15. And I'll, uh, uh, one of those, uh, I, I saw the way it's being calculated is actual just scoring plays. So like the 33-yard pick six is included in those 15 touchdowns. Um, it's not necessarily 15 plays of 10 or more yards allowed by the defense. Um, but the Chiefs are are not a particularly explosive team, and they got some explosive plays both in the pass game and in the run game. Um, I, I mean, and that, and that really, the way that they ran the ball, man, uh, certainly a positive sign, even though DJ Reader's not out there. Um, this is something that they're going to need to do going forward. I know that you have got a couple things, both offensively and defensively, that you're thinking the Chiefs have got to do this if they want to be a defensive team. If this is going to be their identity, that they are a defensive team, as I've been kind of trying to argue. Um, Let's take a quick breather, and then I'll let you take it away from there. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Make sure you download our new app. Find it on the App Store or Google Play. Just search KC Sports Network. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, so, I, I, so I'm so i looking at this like if they are going to be a defensive team, I think they could do this and, you know, grind out some wins kind of thing. But if they are going to take this and win a Super Bowl by using this style of play, I, was, I, I got two things that the offense needs to do and two things that the defense needs to do. Um, you may have trickled over on the, into a little bit of this. So the defense, the number one, was quicker start to games. Um, and it's it's kind of what you hit on 
one thing I was talking, I did 21 questions with Craig last night, and he was kind of teasing an article. I'm not totally sure if it's out yet or not, so I'm sorry if I'm stepping on toes there. Craigathon. Um, but he kind of broke down. So Bolton kind of comes in and plays those first couple drives at middle linebacker. They've been struggling in those drives. Then they give him a rest drive and they put in Tranquil, uh, kind of like a sub role. This is the kind of same thing they were doing last year with Gay taking him out and putting in Darius Harris. Um, so they do this, and he his theory was, you know, he has all these stats to back up. Like they've struggled on those first couple drives. They sit Bolton for a drive, and then he comes back, and the defense is like a totally different animal to mess with. Um, and his kind of he kind of theorized that you know he's such a heady player. That Spags kind of plays it vanilla, looks at the opposing offense is doing, you know, takes all that, runs it by Bolton, and then the defense adjusts and really starts to attack what the opposing offense is doing. Um, so that's kind of what you're seeing uh, with a lot of these games where the, the opposing offense is getting off to a hot start and then the defense kind of comes around and starts shutting them down. That's kind of his theory on it. Um, but this is important. If you're going to be this type of game, you can't get down in games. Like, you don't want to be getting down 10 points, 14 points early in these games if you're going to play this style because that's what leads to the mistakes. So if they're going to try and play mistake-free football, this goes hand-in-hand with that. The other thing, one thing on the defense that you did not hit on, they got to force more turnovers. They have forced two turnovers in the last six weeks. Like, we've been harping again and again about the offense of turning it over, and that's a huge problem, obviously. But the defense is 28th in the NFL in turnovers forced this year. Um, the two they've had in the last six weeks are the Josh Allen threw an interception to Chimichanga Curry, Connor, whatever. Uh, Bailey Zappi threw an interception to Willie Gay. Um, both ensuing drives by the offense were touchdowns. Um, so you, it, it's one of the few times that the offense actually gets a short field and they score touchdowns about those. I mean, the Gay drive was like seven yards, I think. Um, but if you're going to be a defensive style team, it's not enough to just kind of hold them out of the end zone and keep them away from points help the offense out by by creating some short fields and forcing some turnovers like that. Um, so those are two things that I think the defense can really do uh, if they're going to start riding this defense and, and take it far in the playoffs. You know, you mentioned that they're 28. So the Chiefs are bottom five in uh, takeaways defensively. Uh, the teams that are down there with them, man, we're talking about the Falcons, the Rams, the Titans, the Panthers, uh, the only four teams that have fewer turnovers forced than the Chiefs this year. Um, did you say one in the last six games? Two. Two in the last six games. My God, man. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it has not been as opportunistic a defense, I think, as you would think for as good as they've been. For them to be... Especially with like all the pressure they put on quarterbacks, like they're they're sending these blitzers and they're they're getting after the quarterback, especially these exotic blitzes, and sometimes, you know, the quarterback didn't even see it coming and he's confused. You'd think that lead to, you know, him just accidentally throwing it to someone sitting back in a zone uh, or getting a strip sack. Like, and, but the turnovers just haven't quite been there this year for a defense that's played great. All other things considered. And, and you know, what's weird is like, I don't even feel like it's a, it's been like a bad luck. Like, Oh, he just didn't come down with that one. Oh man. He was in perfect position. Like I don't see that. I don't, I don't see that happening. Um, you, you mentioned the linebackers and I, I want to, I want to run something by you real quick that I think is kind of very dirty. Um, I, I want to say that it was you at some point in the many, many years that we've been doing this together, um, that you started trying to tell people, like, I think the most difficult position 
of maybe any position anywhere in sports is being a starting quarterback, cornerback in the NFL. Um, playing corner in the NFL is like the loneliest, most difficult job that you could possibly imagine. I look at how fans think of Charvarius Ward. Ask a random Chiefs fan what they think of Charvarius Ward, who is a top tier corner, extremely well played, having a great career. And Chiefs fans played for us on a rookie deal, won us a Super Bowl, and they're like, oh, God, that guy was fucking terrible. Just terrible. Like, they remember Russell Wilson. I don't know what to tell you, guys. I don't know what to tell you. He's, he's not. Um, I I think that linebacker is now the hardest job in the NFL. Man. I think that that playing linebacker is the toughest job in the league right now. And the reason that I say that is, number one, because I'm a Chiefs fan, and it helps me feel better about the linebackers that we've spent significant assets on. The Chiefs have drafted three linebackers in the top 105 picks or whatever. I think Chanel was just outside the top 100. Um, and then they, you know, gave Drew Tranquil a, a little bit of money for him to come in here. And we're thinking that Drew Tranquil, uh, I say we, the the collective, uh, many ball watchers believe that Drew Tranquil is the best linebacker on the team. Um, and then we've got these three guys and it's like, does anyone think that Nick Bolton is bad? No. Does anyone think that Leo Chanel is bad? Like, I, I think that people get excited. Oh, man, he's so athletic. Oh, he makes this play. Oh, he can, Spags uses him this way. We see a lot of, I think, upside, at least, with Willie Gay. We know that he can kind of, you know, be up and down a little bit. But, like, I think that we all think that these guys are good, generally. And certainly above the that that, like, line of whether or not they're good. Yeah, they're above the line. And yet, week after week, it seems like teams are targeting the linebackers and the safeties in coverage. They're throwing to running backs and tight ends. And I'm just like, man, all the stuff that the linebackers have to sort through, they still have to like compete against offensive linemen in order to be clean and free and make tackles. They have to watch all the back and forth pre-snap motion stuff. There's so many things they have to do. They they also have to, at times, uh, certainly keep an eye on the quarterback. Old squirrely Jake Browning out there running circles around the defense early in the game. Rich Gannon. He's gotten his Rich Gannon on. But, man, I just, I don't, there's like two good linebackers in the league. And and they both got paid like a hundred million. One of them sitting on our bench. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so, like, I just, I... I think that there are more corners in the league that people think are good than there are linebackers in the league that people think are good. I'm starting to see people talk about this incoming draft class, and there's like maybe one linebacker that goes in the top 100 picks. I mean, people are like, no, linebacker's terrible. You don't want to pay him. I mean, Drew Tranquil signed here for like two or three million dollars this year after leading the Chargers in tackles and having like multiple sacks and interceptions and everyone being like, he might be the best linebacker in the division. And we signed him in like May for nothing. I just, I I think that it is very, very difficult to be a linebacker in this day and age. And to me, that means that we might need to just ease up on how we're talking about these guys. Okay, no, that's fair, Thomas. Well, I think it's just like an undervalued position, in my opinion. Like, uh, I think yeah. 
uh, I think teams don't put uh, the value in linebackers that I think they should. Um, it is kind of, They definitely were coming out and attacking Bolton. Uh, that was definitely in the game plan for Cincinnati. It was definitely in the game plan for Buffalo. Um, teams are coming out early in the games and putting it. They're trying to isolate Bolton either with a tight end or most likely a running back. And they're having a lot of success with it because a lot of these games, you know, the other team will score some points and they're not doing it through the receivers. The receivers are getting shut down and it's a lot of tight end and running back out of the backfield. And that's how they're moving the ball. Um, I, we can come on here a week after week and say, I think Tranquil should play over Bolton. I don't think it's going to happen before the playoffs. Uh, I'm just kind of conceding that. And I think Bolton just has to figure it out and they have to find the right rotation and play him at the right times um, because they seem to think Bolton is the guy. And I get it. He's a leader and he's, He's super smart, and he makes a lot of the calls. Um, but, you know, I, I, the defense looked just as good with Tranquil in there and Bolton out for it. I, I, I think this is a point that we've talked about quite a bit, but I don't I don't think we need to harp on it any more than that. Um, I want to get so two points for the offense. So I got the two points for the defense that Let's I want to see. Let's the defense real quick, just so people can kind of. Well, just the two points that I want to see. Quicker start to games, so they're not getting behind in games, and they can – you know, play an even field game instead of the offense getting down two scores and having to start push. Right. Um, and then the defense forcing more turnovers because they've only forced two in the last six weeks. Get the, that offense a short field, get them something easy, get that confidence going early in the game instead of everything being so difficult all day. Like, how many of these games has it just been like, everything is so hard and everyone just looks exhausted and Mahomes is just like at his wits end by, you know, mid-third quarter. Like, get these guys some easy plays. Make somebody on offense, make a play for them, and somebody on defense, get them a short field. Like, that's that's what would help a lot. Um, to the offensive side, two things that's going to help this team contend for a Super Bowl as a defensive team, kind of the style that they showed in the Cincinnati game, simplifying the offense, yada, yada. They got to keep the running game going. Um, it has been super inconsistent um, with little rhyme or reason to what's going on. So the five games before the bye week, five games before the bye week, they're averaging 77 rush yards per game. Pacheco at 3.7 yards per clip. Okay, a five-game struggle. They come out of the bye week. The next three games, they're averaging 128 yards per game. Pacheco's at 4.9. This includes running it down the throat of the Eagles, who had the number one run defense at the time. Not sure if it stayed there or not, but all of a sudden, okay, the run game seems like what they figured out at the bye week. We were waiting for the pass game bump from Andy Reid, but maybe he's kind of figured out the running game here. Pacheco then goes down. The next three games, they're back down to 70 yards per game. The running backs are at 2.9 yards per carry. It's Clyde in there for two of those three games. Um, and then last week with Pacheco in the worst running game we've seen of the season against the Raiders, where they just had nothing. Um, and it's just like, okay, now it's a three-game dip again, and you see the offense start to struggle at that point. Now if we get that to this week, Isaiah Pacheco's running like an animal out there again. He has 18 carries for 130 yards and 7.2 yards per carry. This offense is is different and very functional if they have the running game to go along with it. Like, that starts opening things up. It's no coincidence that they're running the ball really well in the first half, and then all of a sudden some some receivers pop open deep in the second half. Like, that's that's not a coincidence. They have to start crushing down on this running game, and, and that's when the deep shots open up. Like, you wanted to see they didn't catch them, they didn't catch them all, but you did see open receivers downfield. Rice catches a deep one. Watson catches a deep one. MVS gets open on a deep one. Um, and so that's something we just haven't seen much of this year. Uh, and I think the running game is a big key to that. And it goes hand in hand. Being a defensive team and being a running team, 
those those things go hand in hand. It's hard to be like a pass heavy offense and not be able to run the ball and then be a defensive team at the same time. So I think that's the first big step for the offense. And some of that has to do with just you think of being a defensive team and it's like limit possessions and you know control the tempo, you know keep the ball away from the other team. Um, you know these are the types of things that we've seen teams like the Bengals try to do to the Chiefs. You want to limit the other offense. I don't think that that necessarily has to be the way that the Chiefs win. They don't have to play keep away, but they do have to be efficient, right? We can't have the, we just went four straight drives and only ran, you know, whatever, a total of 15 plays or something, and we don't score on any of them. Like the the Chiefs' inability to be able to string together back-to-back or multiple drives throughout this season has been a huge, huge thought mark for them. I go through and look and say, like, okay, well, what? first and foremost, just to take a step back on the running game from this specific game against the Bengals, dude, the guts from Isaiah Pacheco. Um, I, I tried to put it into context considering the fact that, like, they did not have really an experienced running back behind him. He, I don't know if if either Prince or Ingram played an offensive snap. Um, Pacheco was out there for every single play. He had shoulder surgery two weeks ago. He had a concussion six days ago, um, and like we, he didn't practice all week long. We didn't even know if he's going to be out there. And then he played like that. Um, really carried the team. Uh, probably the best player on the field. I mean, I guess you could say Legarius Sneed, but Pacheco was the best player on the offense. Like he was an animal out there. He was carrying us. It was it was a flashback to the Jets game earlier that he had this year, where he he went off in that game. Two games where uh, he has carried this offense this year. Well, and the the thing that when they're good at running the ball, when this team can be balanced, it certainly makes the offense more dangerous. Um, it's, it's that success running the football that opens up other things. And we look at the, uh, the deep pass to Rasheed Rice and also another deep one to Justin Watson. That was on like a third and four. And I think they gained 41 yards or something on that third down. Um, their ability to start kind of taking some shots when teams have really been daring them to do it for weeks. The people that are watching the Chiefs closely are complaining about how Mahomes won't even uncork it deep. He's not even taking shots anymore, and it makes them so easy and predictable to defend. Well, suddenly we see this tweet after the game from Next Gen Stats saying that this was their first 100-yard game, first game where they had over 100 yards on passes that traveled 20 or more yards down the field. So basically, got 100 yards from deep passes. Deep throws. First time they've done it since they traded Tyreek, so in two full seasons. They didn't do it at all last year, and this really only came on two plays, Rasheed Rice and Justin Watson. Um, It also ended up being the first time that Rasheed Rice has caught the ball when it's been thrown more than 20 yards downfield, uh, I don't even know how many times he's been targeted on those plays. We've been talking about his average depth of target being like the line of scrimmage, essentially. Um, and, and so I think just that that running game opening things up for them and then being able to take some shots, even albeit against a pretty bad Bengals defense, 
Um, it's a good sign going forward and something that you obviously want to see them continue to do. And it certainly was the formula in the playoffs last year. I don't have the numbers in front of me. Um, but if you guys go back and look, I, I, uh, kind of paraded them out there at the beginning of the season that we didn't really need much from the receivers in the playoffs in order for the chiefs to be successful. Now they did have a pretty historic, um, very, very solid performance from Travis Kelsey in the playoffs last year. Um, and Pacheco obviously ran the ball extremely well, um, particularly in that Super Bowl. Uh, but I I think, well, and and you know, producer Nick brings up that MBS had a good AFC title game, which is true. But uh if we're taking the playoffs in totality, the three playoff games the Chiefs played last year, receivers did basically nothing. Uh, over the course of three games. It's very, very, very small uh, receptions, yards, um, and the touchdowns are there because you got corn dogs and things like that in the Super Bowl. But, um, what's what's the, what's the other thing that you think the Chiefs have to do offensively in order for the team to win a Super Bowl as a defensive team right now in 2023? Well, you're not going to believe this, but you hit it on the head. It's I got complete two big pass, pass plays per game. Oh, so in playing complimentary football, if you get the running game going, you have to hit some of these deep shots. You can't fall into a hole where the Raiders are just kind of teeing off last week on every single short route. They're sitting back in a soft zone. They're seeing these crossing routes. They're seeing these swing routes. They're seeing Kelsey just sitting over the middle. Okay, go ahead and complete it. We're just going to tee off on you and make you do this four to five yards at a time. And you're going to have to have the patience to do this down 10 when you can't get out of your own way. So it was a very tough offensive formula for the Chiefs to succeed and basically nothing downfield. Um, so you finally saw it this week, completing some passes. You had the stat. Um, I think back to like the 2019 Titans. If you remember going to that AFC Championship game against the Titans, they got this really strong running game, but it's Derrick Henry. And it's like, oh man, he's super scary. But here's what we got to do. Not allow action deep bomb. Because you can have Henry run for 150 yards, but you're going to have to make him earn it, do it time and time again, have, make them play air-free football. But what we cannot do is have them do what they did against the Ravens the week before, and they're completing these deep throws on play action. So you pay too much attention to Henry, and then you complete him over the top, and then that's when you're in trouble playing an offense like that because you can't give up those big plays. Yeah. Make them grind it out. So what the Chiefs need to do is <clears throat> that same formula they need to find the way to get them some deep completions themselves. The running game ties in with that. Um, the receivers finally break it open ties with that. But that's you need to get a few chunk plays like that if you're going to start playing a little more conservative that will that will hope open up the offense and open up everything else underneath so that the op offense can operate and the defense isn't just teeing off on everything. Yeah, I mean, what I was trying to think about, like what what is the identity of a defensive team. Like, what does it actually look like? And it's it's running the ball and play action and kind of controlling the clock on offense. Um, and and a lot of times it's, you know, take the points, uh, field position, don't don't be afraid to punt, pin them back deep. You know, some of these things uh that come to mind. I do think that for this team to be successful and really embrace the identity of being a defensive team, at least for this playoff run because that's all they've got left here, right? Like they're, they're not going to be a defensive team next year, but if, if this coaching staff wants to embrace the identity that they have, uh, 
first and foremost, I think they have to continue to win on third down. Um, they are sixth on offense and 10th on defense. Um, but I do think they got to be careful on these third down, man. Um, I don't want them to be, okay, it's third and 12 and we have Patrick Mahomes. So we're going to have him extend the play. And then we're going to try to have him, you know, take a, take a shot. And some of these stuff, like maybe he's just at the point where he doesn't necessarily even want to throw those passes because he doesn't trust a lot of these receivers. Um, and so that's fine. But like, I think that the chiefs should be willing to kill some of those plays pretty quickly. And it's the playoffs. Mahomes is going to get the competitive juices flowing. And I think that they have to rein him in. I know that people don't like the idea of a neutered Patrick Mahomes, but like the risky plays that can sometimes be what makes him so magical. Those are the things, those risks. I don't think the chiefs can take if they really want to embrace being a defensive team. And it's such a fine line because, I mean, he's the best player in the world, so you want him to do his thing. Um, But the problem is we just haven't seen enough of those plays this year. Like, we haven't seen him scramble out of the pocket, roll around, and then find someone to make a big play. We have not seen much of those. So, yeah, I think you're right. And we kind of saw it in this game. There was a couple times, I mean, I thought he was way too quick to check it down and throw it to Pacheco on a third down. But that kind of goes hand in hand with what we're saying here. And that's what you're kind of going to see. So. Uh, I think you already started to see that take place in this game, and that's it goes with what they're saying with Simplify. Um, I think they got to be a little bit... They they probably want to be a tick more efficient in the red zone. Oh, yeah, um, of course. Of course. I mean, that, that will be a big... And that's where they have to really step up. Like, this... Everything outside of converting in the red zone would be good enough to win a legit... A playoff team against... A, a playoff game against a legit team if they're able to convert in the red zone. Um, so you can't be settling for three time after time like that. So that is an area. I mean, it's not. It wasn't a perfect game by any means. It's just, hey, this is what it might look like if the Chiefs are to succeed in this year's playoffs. They'll look more like this than what we've we're used to in years past. Um, I got some playoff scenarios here. You want to go over those? Uh, yes, I do. Quickly before we touch on playoffs, um, the Chiefs won the AFC West for the eighth straight time. Oh. Eight times. Yeah, I'm sure you've like seen the memes where they went from like everybody in the AFC West having way more titles than them to uh, now having more than everybody over the last eight years. Eight yeah, years. I mean, it was hard not to reflect. So you're playing the New Year's Eve game. Um, there's a there's a very bright memory from 2006 on New Year's Eve when the Chiefs needed five different games to go their way. Um, and all five games did go their way. It ends with Alex Smith when he's with the 49ers winning uh, in Denver against the Broncos in the afternoon game. And dude, me and my friends just go absolutely ape shit that Christmas, celebrate our asses off just because we're getting in the playoffs and we end up getting our asses kicked by Peyton Manning and the Colts the next week. Um, so it was really, it's it's funny to, to reflect back on that's what life was like back in 2006 as she's saying just losing our minds because we just squeaked into the playoffs just to get our asses kicked whereas this year we've kind of you know bitched and moaned our way through the season as we as we capture our eighth straight AFC West title um and yeah, I really did like the stat where it's 16 15 15 15 now and it's also crazy that we have half of our AFC West division titles now in the last eight years Half the division titles as a franchise all have happened in the last eight years. So just shows you how bad the team was for so long. Um, <laughs> I mean, true, like they were just bad. Um, I saw that the record 
like number of consecutive division titles was 11 for the Patriots. Um, you have to pick the most all time right now. And yeah, just behind them. I want that record. I want it. I want it so badly. Um, and honestly, I kind of want the team to hit like 13 or 14 so that Patrick himself breaks the 11 instead of right now. There's a couple Alex Smith ones in our streak. Because uh, if they've had eight straight, this is our race. Six straight our race, Alex Smith. No, no eraser. I'm not. I'm not erasing Alex Smith. <laughs> I'm just saying that I would love to see Patrick Mahomes do like twelve straight years on his own. <laughs> like start his career as a starter with twelve straight AFC West championships to be able to not only stick it to Brady and the Patriots, but obviously you know the Broncos and the and really the only year that. Patriots didn't win it was because uh, Brady got hurt. That was that was the year they didn't win. So, oh, um, he got hurt in twenty twenty one. Well, he got hurt in two thousand eight. Is the season that they missed? Oh, yeah, that's the that he would have won it for yeah. twenty straight years. Basically, I, I without checking, yeah, basically. Um, so playoff scenarios. Um, there's kind of a lot on the line this week. I was kind of breaking it down. Um, there is still a chance we play the Bills. Uh, it is the least likely scenario. So if the Dolphins, um, if the Dolphins lose, then we play the Dolphins. That's the easiest scenario. So that's about a fifty percent chance of happening. I would say um, about a fifty-fifty. Well, maybe, maybe two teams. Maybe a little more than fifty because the Bills are favored by three. Um, but just to keep my numbers easy, I, I want a fifty-fifty. But it's, it's basically a toss-up game in Miami this week. Um, Bills are Miami. Okay, in Miami. The Bills are the one losing, losing Bradley Chubb, losing Jalen Phillips. Um, it's a I mean, team. yeah, they're that defense was sensational. Six, seven straight games, uh, even after Jalen Phillips went down. But uh, I don't know. I don't know. I, I think I think the Bills are going to beat the Dolphins. That would be my expectation. Uh, I kind of agree. So if that happens, then it's easy, and Miami comes to Kansas City. The problem is, then you have Buffalo as the two seed, Baltimore as the one seed, so your most likely path is going Miami, at Buffalo, at Baltimore, uh, which I think is probably the top three teams in the AFC, and you'd have to play them all, two of them on the road, Buffalo kind of having your number at this point. Um, so I think that's that's the toughest road. So you definitely want to cheer for the Dolphins this weekend to open up the possibilities of playing these teams. So I put it at percent chances here i think it's 20 percent we play the texans 15 percent we play the colts 10 percent we play the steelers and five percent we play the bills um so we play the bills if you need three underdogs to win this weekend you need the ravens to beat the steelers uh the ravens have nothing to play for um they're kind of in an odd scenario where they're looking at the rest versus rest kind of thing because they'd have two weeks off if they sit everybody uh it's always kind of an interesting thing but mo- more than likely they're not going to play everybody uh especially lamar um, so they're underdogs to the Steelers who have to win to get in. Um, so you need the Ravens to win. You need the Titans to win who have nothing to play for, and they're playing the Jaguars with their playoff lives on the line. And then Don't need... say they got nothing to play for. Did you see Mike Vrabel today? They got everything to play for. It's true. Vrabel's such a dog. Um, he, I was... does, he doesn't want to get fired, man. I mean, and I don't I don't think that he should. I think he would instantly be everyone's favorite coach on the market. Like, I exactly. think he's excellent at coach, but, like, that dude wants to win. It was yeah. If I think if he did get fired, I think he'd get scooped up like in the next two days. It would be like an Andy Reid situation where like a team's flying their plane in and not letting him leave. Like no, no, you can't, you can't. You shut down the airways across the country. You are not leaving. 
Um, so I put it at a 5% chance that the build, you'd have to have those three games. Um, and that's uh, obviously the, the toughest uh, first round opponent. I think uh, almost everybody would agree with that. Uh, maybe I, I think they're a little overrated in terms of being a Super Bowl contender because they seem to play the Chiefs different than they play everybody else. I mean, they've, they've now squeaked out wins over Easton Stick and uh, Bailey Zappi and the Patriots, even though they're, the Patriots are turning over four times in the first half. Like uh, The Bills have a bunch of problems. Uh, but they do seem to step it up against the Chiefs and, and play very well against them. Um, so those are kind of just the percentages I put on them. I do think it's a big situation where you want the Dolphins to win. Um, so you're looking at that path. like, And then you play in the Dolphins in round two, like a Dolphins team that we're looking at without these two edge rushers. And that's a much easier game in round two. So the path just gets much easier. Uh, say So the Texans would be the most likely first round. So then you go Texans, Dolphins, and then at Ravens. Uh, as the path. So I think that's definitely what Chiefs fans want to cheer for this weekend. Yeah. I mean, I, I the easiest path is really, I think, what you're hoping for. And that is Miami winning uh, and, and solidifying that two seed. Um, but I don't know, man. Like, I think that Miami is, they're very scary. Uh, because they can be so explosive and and something that Matt Lane has been talking about, how poorly the Chiefs performed the second time that they saw the Broncos and the second time they saw the Raiders. And this would be the second time that they have seen the Dolphins, that the Dolphins have seen everything that we can do offensively, that they have seen this defense and that they're going to perform presumably better. I think seeing what they we did defensively, because if there was one game where Spags emptied the bag this year, it was against Miami. I mean, they were sending blitzers from every single angle. Uh, my fear would be is that they showed so much in that game that if you know if McDaniel's looking at this for multiple weeks, um, did we show too much? And now he has proper counters uh, for all these things we did, and just confused the hell out of them. But you'd think after seeing all that, they'd kind of have some answers to that test, uh, you know, a month or two later. I don't remember if it was that game or if it's just been some other times, but I think it was that game that they were like just blitzing to death. And then the last couple drives, they didn't. They said, we're not blitzing anybody. I'm just going to go straight four man rush and Tua couldn't find anybody open and they would still end up getting sacked. Um, Spag says, uh, I think. I I would take Spagnolo with this group of defenders over maybe any offense in the league right now. Like I don't think that there's an offense out there that's like I'm really worried about what they're going to do to Spags and the Chiefs. Um I I think that this defense is so static in terms of their greatness this year. Like I just I I don't know man. It 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 takes our offense playing with the defense, that complimentary football, because the defense has given the offense chances to win literally every single game this year, apart from maybe Green Bay. Like, maybe. That's yeah, the, yeah, the, no, they, the I mean, most points, but even then, you know, I, I just, the Chiefs have hardly allowed teams. They've got the fewest number of opponents that have scored over 20 this year. Um, they're, I believe they're second in overall scoring defense. They're second in the league in sacks, obviously still not turning people over, but I just, I am, I am not afraid that any team is going to score a bunch of points, whether it's the second time that we've played them or not. That's where I'm at personally. It's uh, the teams that have had the most success are kind of like staying ahead of the chains and, you know, staying 
uh, you know, having successful plays time and time again. Not like a Dalton, like a flashy, a flashy offense like that. It's kind of the Packers that were picking up five yards at a time. Like if you look at the third down numbers of this defense, um, you know, in the shorter yardage, they are kind of below league average. But once you get up to like third and seven or third and ten, they are lights out. Like one of the most consistent things in the NFL this season has been the Chiefs on like third and ten or longer, which is wild because the Bengals picked up a fourth and eighteen. Like it was absolutely nothing. I don't know where that game was the most confusing play of the season. Like you just ran right to the middle of the field and he was just sitting there wide open. Like that was that was extremely easy. Uh, so that was weird to see. But the rest of the season, the Chiefs, when it's third and ten or longer, man, they are dialing it up and they are confusing the quarterback and they have had much success in that. So if they keep de- keep offenses in third and long like that, they've had great success. It's a team, it's a weird team like the Packers, and I'd have to look at, you know, at the spread of teams, but just a team that can continually move the ball three, four, five, six yards at a time and stay ahead of the chains and don't let Spags get in his bag like that. Those are the things I mean, you saw like th- this defense has so rarely this year been able to with a lead late in the game, uh, pure passing situations, just unleash what they do. And they had five sacks in the last six minutes of this one against the Bengals. Uh, you know, I, I think even with that fourth and 18 mixed in there, <laughs> that was ridiculous. Like, why is Tyler Boyd wide open in the middle of the field on fourth and 18? Um, I, one last thing on the offense before, before we go, because I think it is worth mentioning and it goes back to how uh, quickly Mahomes ended up checking down a lot in this game. The tackles aren't good. Um, I, I saw that Juwan Taylor had a, a very, very good PFF grade. Um, and you kind of commenting on that saying like, that's, this is what we need in the playoffs. Like we need the, is Juwan Taylor going to be elite like he was as a pass blocker last year? Um, I just don't think that Mahomes, they haven't had a good enough year protecting him for him to feel comfortable and confident in the pocket. And so he is a little bit skittish. He has a rookie left tackle right now, and I don't think that's going to change in the playoffs. Um, it's a big question. It's a big question if you keep, because Wanya looked better this week. He still gave up the strip sack, obviously, uh, but it was nothing like the Raiders game. The Raiders game was like a travesty. I mean, that's probably one of the worst games an offensive lineman's played in the NFL all season. So it was it was tough to see. But he's been pretty solid in three of his other four games. Uh, so do you want to bring back Donovan, who had I don't know an average season, maybe slightly below average season, uh, now coming back off an injury and going right back into a playoff game? Uh, it's a tough decision, but I I think they probably will stick with Wanya. Yeah, I, that would be my expectation. I just, um, I think with all the problems that they have had on offense this year, um, we are now at a point where the best thing to do is to just live to fight an, another play, another down, and and really trust that defense. Um, and I feel like that's what we saw uh, in this game against the Bengals, that he was quick to check it down, that they were willing to take field goals, that Andy was like, Pat, I don't care. Shut up. Pat's complaining when he's coming off. The, Come on, coach. I want to go for it. No, we're going to go use our all pro kicker. I mean, honestly, like that's just, that's another big part of the being a defensive team you have right now. This season, he's the best kicker in the NFL. 
And and for his career, he's the second best kicker in the NFL. Like, All time. He passed, uh, I can't remember who he passed, someone weird. Uh, but yeah, second most accurate kicker of all time at this point. Coup or somebody? Could have been Coup. It could have been Coup. Tucker uh, was still number one. Bear Baron, maybe one of those Pacific Islanders. Um, in, <laughs> at any rate, I think that the Chiefs have the elements on the team to be successful if they embrace that identity. Out there. Uh, and I really liked seeing how they played in this game, mostly because it felt like they came into the game with a plan or certainly came into the second half of the plan and then they executed it. And it, it just it just looked right to me. It looked confident. There wasn't, oh, well, we got to get the play in. It's third and six. And oh, we're going to have to burn a timeout or we're going to be rushed at the line or this guy doesn't know where to line up. They, It's like they cut all of that stuff out somehow. And I don't know if that's the simplification of it. Got it. Like it's, it seems like it has to be but they looked so much cleaner, so much more decisive in this game against the Bengals. And it is in some ways a reflection of how bad the Bengals are on defense. I totally get it. It was not perfect by any stretch of the imagination, but like going down 10 against a very fiery, competitive, talented Bengals team that even though they're missing the key in their run defense, and even though they're missing Burrow, the Chiefs, of of last week don't win that game. And so I was very, very happy to see the way that they turned it around against the Bengals. I do want to ask you this before we get out of here. Really interesting conversation between Maddie and Kent yesterday afternoon about whether or not to rest guys because we're in a position where especially since the bye week, we went over it last week. It's like win, loss, win, loss, loss, win, loss, win, loss. Like cannot string even two wins together at this point. And so did we see enough positive signs from the offense or whatever that it's like, all right, cool, take your week off and then we'll just play a playoff game. Or do you need them out there? Build on that rhythm. And, and you know, what what is more valuable, the rest or actually trying to build on something a little bit offensively. And I I don't know, man. I I don't think that there's any way you can turn down giving those guys a a week off. That's that's where I'm at. Yeah, I'm in. I don't like the situation to be like in the Ravens where they are. So if they already have a bye week and now they're getting a rest week, I I actually think where the, the position the Chiefs are in is better than where the Ravens are because I don't want the two weeks off in between games, which is what they're looking at. I like what having, be, it would be like three full weeks between games, yeah, right? Because yeah. you get two Sundays uh, off. I like where the Chiefs are at. I would I would go with rest in this situation. Uh, I just kind of see like a tired team. It looks like Kelsey's body is wearing on him. Uh, you know, Pacheco could use the rush. Mahomes, I think, could use the mental reset. Um, and I so I would look to come in fresh. I, I get the rest versus rust. I get the argument for just playing and going like that, keeping the rhythm. Um, lots of times I'm kind of in favor of that. I think in this situation, I'm resting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's probably the smart play for them. They just, they, God, they look like they need it mentally, physically, um, all, all of it. They need to be able to take a step back. Um, I mean, honestly, I know that you can't, but I would like, I, I, I'd almost be like, can we just forfeit like, or, or 
not forfeit maybe because it's important to maybe like get some of these young guys. Like I can't wait to watch BJ Thompson and Felix and DK Uzama rush the quarterback all week. Um, that's going to be really fun, but I don't know. Like, can we give Andy the week off? <laughs> like Andy. Well, Andy's not game planning for this week. If that's, if that's what you mean. Uh, so Andy is definitely uh, saving up the bag for next week. And it's also an important game. For Dirk's over 10 wins bet for the Chiefs, which seemed like a lock, and I totally forgot about, and I made fun of it when we were like 6-1, and one, like, over under 10 wins, are you kidding me? This I made this bet after week one, after we lost to Detroit, um, and now they're straddling the line on a push, um, and they flirted with going under on this, which I thought was impossible. The Chiefs going 9-8 and eight this season, I thought was virtually impossible. They almost pulled it off, but now they have a chance to backdoor cover the over 10 wins. Let's go. Did you uh did did you see the Travis Kelsey's uh like emotional energy? Hey Kent, love you too, buddy. Uh it was like Travis Travis Kelsey's body language the last few weeks, and it was that picture of Affleck. Is <laughs> that one? No. Dude, I could not agree more. I don't, I don't I've I've said enough on Travis Kelsey throughout this season. I think yeah. I was telling you guys in like week four, week five, like, I don't know. Um, it doesn't look great. He keeps extending the three catches in a game, but it's like for... Is that a streak? That's a thing? Oh, yeah. he's He has, I think, he's like second to Jerry Rice in NFL history for consecutive games with at least three catches. <laughs> um, But yeah, it's for like 16, 17 yards. He looks so tired. Give give that man a rest. Uh, and we're going to take a rest. And the next time that we talk to you, we're going to be preparing for a playoff game. Um, in the wild card round, yikes. Uh, but that'll be all right. Chiefs are going to host a playoff game at Arrowhead. Uh, we'll see who the opponents are uh, after all the dust settles from this interesting weekend of games. I believe the game that everyone's really actually waiting and watching and excited to see is going to be Sunday night football. The Bills and Dolphins. Of course, we have to wait until about 11 p.m. next Sunday to actually figure out where the Chiefs are going to be. Uh, but that will be uh, will be fun. You can be all right. No, not 11 p.m. That's the West Coast over there. Move west. <laughs> yeah, right. All right, folks. This has been Amateur Hour. I'm Ryan Scott Hall. He is his darkness, and Justin Herbert is Philip Rivers, and Easton Stick is I don't know, I don't know who Easton Stick is, but who's Easton Stick? Craig Wheelahan. <laughs> thank you for listening to kc sports network we appreciate your support don't forget to hit that follow button and leave us a review if you like what you heard you can find all six of our channels covering the chiefs royals sporting kc and the kc current plus ku k-state or mizzou by searching kcsn wherever you listen to podcasts we're also on youtube entertain educate Inform KC Sports Network. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.